Cavendish will slot it home. Oh. And he does so. Cavendish has turned into the empty net. His promotion to Doncaster Rovers. Can you believe what has happened in this last minute? Now then, it takes more than a global pandemic to silence this podcast, yet COVID-19 has failed where general apathy and failure to sync our social schedules previously succeeded, and so welcome to episode 16 of Podular Stand, a Doncaster Rovers podcast from Popular Stand fanzine. This month we're coming to you not exactly live from a number of different laptops, respectfully socially distanced across London. Uh, so yet we are all recording this via a live online link to one another. So apologies if at times the the sound quality isn't great, but we've we've done as much as we can with my limited technical skills to uh, to get to you. Um, anyway, my name is as ever Glenn Wilson, and I'm joined by editor of the London Economic Jack P. Good evening. You can't catch COVID over Skype, can you? No. No, you can't catch it through through Skype. I don't. It's think. always better to be safe than sorry, mate. So uh, yeah, good evening. Uh, and also with us, back by popular demand, is freelance writer and guinea pig owner of the month, James McMahon. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, you happy with that? Uh, yeah, I'll relate to the uh, to the lads later. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are rising social uh, social media stars after all. If you fancy following my uh, guinea pigs on the Twitter, it's uh, twitter.com forward slash. Oh god, I can't remember. Coco and Bubble or Bubble and Coco, one of one of the two. Cheers, man. I'm sure they've already got more followers than me anyway. No, they're not they're not quite there yet, but you know, like they like they like a challenge and ke- and they like kale. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who's here and, and roughly where we are covered. Uh, how about what we're talking about? Well, brace yourselves for a kick clash because in this episode we're gonna be looking at our favourite and least favourite Doncaster Rovers kits. Um, I better clarify that we've, we're doing this purely from an aesthetical point of view, I think. Whether the sponsor fell off the first time you washed it or it, or it faded to pink within a fortnight doesn't, doesn't really concern us here. It's, it's all about how the kit looks. So we'll, we'll start with the good then, and we'll start with the home shirts. Jack, do you want to kick us off with your, your favourite Rovers home shirt? Well, I think well, I'm glad that you brought up the, the sponsor thing. Because actually, before we went into this, I did want a few considerations. You know, I like to post considerations before we actually get into the into the meat of the of the discussion. Now, the considerations for me is actually the sponsor is very important. It's funny. The sponsors are funny, really, because you don't get to choose what your sponsor is, and yet you've got to work your kit in accordance with them. And and a sponsor can sometimes make and break it. So I just wanted to raise the point that that's a, a an important issue. The second thing on home kits that I did want to say is that what I realised today when I tried on three of my, my red and white striped home shirts is that not all home shirts are born equal, even though we've got a very generic sort of like, we stick to our gun sort of like home shirt. Very interestingly, they are very different. And, um, but, and also that shirt is only one part of the consideration. Um, I, I, the, the shorts and the socks and how they work with the shirt, just, just on reflection, seem like a big deal. But anyway, I've waxed lyrical about a few considerations there. I understand what I did, but let's rock on. And, I, and I'm going to go in with a bit of a controversial one, um, which is uh, the 2000-2001, which actually, looking into it, is a bit of a monumental kit in that, that it was the last time that we weren't a red and white striped home kit. It was the, the, probably the last time when our sponsor was ironed on. 
and um, it was also probably the last time when we had a badge that wasn't the the Viking badge that we have today. So so 2000 and 2001 Beza Homes red and blue sleeves shirt is probably my number one most favourite shirt of all time. Home shirt. Wow, that's a bold call because it's not hoops. Yeah, first of all, I've got a lot of there's a lot of affinity with that shirt. It's it's one of my first shirts and. It's, it's actually interesting, and, and if you look back over the history of the shirts, we sort of skip between red, all red, all white, and then red and white stripes. Hoops. Yeah. <laughs> hoop, sorry. And, and in the final year, before we actually went full hoop, um, we went white for a season, then red for a season, and then we went full. So this was the sort of like the, 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 the takeoff point before we became the hoops. And yeah, I, I like it. Actually, you say hoops, I've, I've, I've put down here, Incidentally, last non-stripey kit is my notes. That's a ball call because we're going to come on to least favourite home shirts. But this was in one of my this was in my running for least favourite home shirts. This one, and, and the reasons were the crest which you mentioned, where Rovers decided to do away with the Viking and replace it with not one but two made-up crests, the infamous um, Thundercat logo, and then on the other side is some sort of weird dart flight with a with a Yorkshire rose in it and DRFC under. And the other point on that kit was the amount of blue on it, which has never been a Rovers home colour until that season. Yeah, true. And and, and if you ever care to go on to uh, historicalkits.co.uk, which is a bloody good site, by the way, because it's incredibly detailed, there is a bit of background into that badge. And what strikes you with that badge is how bizarre out of context and it doesn't like effectively meaningless it actually is it, it doesn't make sense that they would but then that was sort of i sort of like it because it felt like everything in that that kit had been ironed on by betty who works down at the keep Mo- well <laughs> at bellevue uh, she stitched the badge on she ironed on the visa homes and then she shipped it out to your home address i like that so so i guess that there's a bit of that in it cool so james what's uh what's your favorite uh ravers home shirt uh, well, the correct answer is 91-92, <laughs> undoubtedly, which is my favourite football kit of any football kit ever. So that's the answer to my favourite Robus kit. Which one is it? Oh, this, the, the, the red and white static. Oh, right, OK. So that's 92 to 94. Yeah, that's what I've got. Is that not 91-92? No. 91-92 is white. Yeah, 92 94. For the For the listeners... Me and Jack are on video and James is on audio right now. And James can't see the fact that I'm wearing the shirt that he's talking about. <laughs> see, I, see, you're right. It, you're right with the season. But I actually just didn't trust myself in what season actually was. Um, so I went on, um, so I just Googled it to check. And the first source that came up was the, the, the free press. And... Um, Unsurprisingly, they've listed that as the wrong season. That's not that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not the sort of thing you expect from the Doncaster Free Press, is it? It's a, it's a very reputable uh, Doncaster Rovers source of information, James. I love following uh, the Free Press. I, I love reading the comments on Facebook. It's like a barometer of how I'm feeling about society at any given point. <laughs> I think it's the red and white static. I think... I'm a big fan of the seaweed over the shoulder. You know, you were saying before that this is really about kind of aesthetics, but it's kind of hard really to kind of like disassociate the times 
enjoyed watching Rose, you know, and kind of when I'm 14, 15, that's, that's my time. I mean, the other one that comes to mind is the sort of like the Russ, Russ Wilcox, Graham Jones, blue away shirt that's got sort of like weird kind of like M's kind of all over it. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, so the Hazelden sponsored. That's right. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, where it where it starts, I was never really a fan of. Uh, I wasn't like a big fan of like our shirt that we uh, went up to the championship in. You know that whole kind of like streetwise sports kind of periods yeah. bit. I, I thought those shirts looked really cheap actually, but you know it, I don't know. Again, I let them off because the, you know, the team that wore them was so good. Yeah, I had that that same shirt. I mean, I said I'm wearing it now. But it was in my list. I think the only thing for me that, that let it down and why it wasn't my favourite was the uh, the random blue on the collar for no discernible reason. That There's just a random blue square under the buttons. And I just don't understand why it's there. I, I just find it quite hard to think of that shirt without just imagining myself, you know, doing doing my paper round on a Friday night. You know, it's just like, it's one of those shirts that, if I look back at like photos of me as a teenager, like I'm always wearing that shirt. Right, Glenn, what, what, what are you saying as number one then? Um, I think for me it's the mid-80s hoops. So 80, 82 to 84. Have you got that kit? Well, I spent years tracking it down actually because I always wanted one. And I finally, uh, finally managed to find one on eBay about six years ago. And then I found another one. So I did have two briefly, but I've offloaded one. But it's um, it's made by Hobart, uh, which stood for House of Barrington Official Teamster Tops, apparently. It's an, it's, it's an acronym. Crikey, that's um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, see what they shortened it. Um, but it's what I love Actually, about it is, um, is that the red and white hoops, uh, it was the first time we'd worn red and white hoops since 19, 1950, I think. And it was the, you know, the next time we'd wear would be that the, the um, static kit that James mentioned. But what I like about the hoops is there's on them, there's, there's a, there's a little between the red and white, there's a thin trim of green, yeah. uh, which is really nice. And I, cause I always think of green as being Rover's third color, if you like. I was about to say that I can imagine green's going to play a theme throughout this pod. <laughs> we'll move on to favorite aways then, soon as you've mentioned the, uh, the match winner, the, uh, the one that the seaweed over the shoulder. Is that your favorite James? Well, actually, I was just going to say that I sort of feel like you can um, you can chart almost like the decline of Rovers kits by like the ease of their availability. I feel like when I was a when I was a kid, like buying a Rover shirt in town was like, I mean, it was like proper like hen's teeth stuff. There used to be a sports shop that was upstairs in the French Gate. Oh, Suggs Suggs Sports. That's the one, yeah, and the, and they had Rover shirts, and remember just being like when I when I kind of found that out, like just thinking that was the most amazing thing. But you know, for years, like if you asked around town for a Rover shirt, like they'd just laugh at you, and they ne- they never had any in the porter cabin at Bellevue as well. But I just feel a little bit like I remember when I started seeing kids in Rover shirts around Doncaster, which is sort of like back end of the conference, yeah. And, just being like so proud, like just like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like this, you know, I, I barely recognise what's happened to this club. It's brilliant, but like for years, you just never saw anyone in a rubber shirt around town. It was, uh... but I've gone off at a tangent. 
My favourite away shirt is undoubtedly uh, the, seaweed, the seaweed over the shoulder. But again, I would find it quite hard to... Uh, I'd find it quite hard not to put a vote in for the shirt that we wore at Brentford. I do find it quite hard to... I mean, I'm a bit different to you. I don't, I don't really associate green. I don't really think of green as Rovers, you know. Like, but we've had this when we've been to matches together before, where you've been like, "Oh, we're wearing green. It's going to be a big one. We're wearing green." And like, I just never really see it like that. But like, again, I can, I can see, you know, I can see Rob Jones sort of half in the crowd, half not in the crowd at Griffin Park, yeah. and it's, it's hard not to really have a lot of sentiment for that shirt. I can remember seeing someone probably like three weeks after that game in Sainsbury's in Brixton. And I, do, you know when you, do you know when you go in the supermarket as a kid and your dad tells you to go off and find something and you walk up and down the aisles and then you can never find him again? Now, this kid had a go, that green Rover shirt on and I literally went to find him to say, I can't believe you've got the green Rover shirt on. And it was neither of you two. So, I mean, I don't know how many uh, Rover fans there are in London. However... It took me back to being a kid when you tried to find your dad and you could never find him because whenever you were at the middle of an aisle, he was at the end of an aisle. And i never seen that guy. So if he's listening to this, I would love to know who you are. You've, you've painted like the picture of like a Scooby-Doo cartoon where they're running between different doors on either side of the corridor. Well, that's exactly what it was like. The green third shirt that was worn is obviously a big favourite of mine because I've, I've mentioned I always see green as, as being Rover's third colour after red and white. And that green with the white V. The, the weird thing is, is it, that was the only time Rovers ever wore it, was that, that monumental game. It was, it was supposed to be the away shirt for that season. Um, it had been submitted to the league and everything that it was going to be Rovers' away shirt. And then, by all accounts, John Ryan didn't like it. So they switched to the white with the black V in the same design. And that was the main away kit for the season. And the green one only surfaced because, obviously, Brentford in red and white stripes clashed with both the home and away. So, you know, if Brentford were a different colour, then we'd probably be holding up the uh, the white with black V as a, as a classic Rovers shirt more than the green one, perhaps. The match winner one, James, the seaweed over the shoulder. Again, you yeah. miss it. It's what, the weirdest thing about the, that kit. I mean, the design is a classic. You remember it used to be in the background of fantasy football, like hanging over the back of a sofa. Oh, did it? Yeah, and the, like a few episodes of the Bedell and Skinner fantasy football, the first one. But the the other weirdest thing about it is, it seems like in the in the mid nineties, people were a completely different shape because it's such a wide shirt. The sleeves like start halfway down your arm. It's the weirdest cut. It's like a it's like two sails stuck together with some holes put in the end. I mean, this is it. Like, I mean, I have to say, you know, like. I mean, it hurts to admit it, but there is a difference physically between myself and you. And you pull off that shirt, and I can't wear a football shirt anymore because the material just makes me look like like a beach ball, basically. But I used to have one of those uh, those tops kits. What are they called tops? They're almost like they're almost like replicas of shirts from like late eighteen hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the kind of thing you mean. And they were almost like rugby shirts. Like I, I, I had one of them. I, I wore it to Wembley actually, and I, I loved that because you could be a big lad and and not have the, well, you know, whatever material it's made out with, sort of yeah, accentuate yeah, yeah. your, you know, your manly curves. <laughs> 
Yeah, the uh, the Tufts tribute ones are decent. That was the they had that nineteen forty seven one, wasn't it? That they had the red and white hoops, like a rugby shirt, like you say. Yeah, well, I wore that for years. The one other away kit that I wanted to flag that I think is um, quite often forgotten that I, th- I think is a bit of a, a bit of an underrated classic is ninety eight ninety nine first season in the conference the uh, Asics were the manufacturers and the home shirt was blue the home shirt sorry was red with like white panels on the sleeves um, but the away was all white with like a thin very thin blue pinstripe down the sleeve. Initially, had no sponsor and they had the Beezer. But it was, I thought it was just a very good, solid away kit that was, you know, compared to what we'd had in the previous seasons where we didn't know what kit we were going to turn up at at any one point. I thought it was just a very neat kit. What I liked about it, the other thing was it was it was the same design as the home, but just changed colourway, which I always quite like in a in a team where they have the same design home and away and just change the colours. I, I was going to raise a similar point, actually. And, and this is literally purely on the on aesthetic ground it wasn't a particularly good season from what I remember, but I can remember seeing the home kit, the away kit, so that matched the home kit in terms of design. So the 2013-14, when it was a, a, a black and blue hooped kit that matched the home kit, and actually, from a purely aesthetic point, it looked really fit. Yeah, on, the, on James's point of like associating kits with certain times, that black and blue, whenever I see it, I can only think of... Uh, Rovers players trying to sweep the water off the pitch at the valley. Yeah. During um, postponed match, that's yeah. it's straight to us straight away. Is like and, the and, Rovers and... players running over to the groundsman shed and grabbing a load of tools. <laughs> yeah. Should we go on? To, we'll go on to worst kits then. Do you want to go home or away? Who's got a preference? Let's start with home. Least least favorite home shirt then. Go on, Jack. So to my point in the in the consideration, which is about the sponsor being really important now. Obviously, we've got a bit of history with Rovers shirts being a bit of a raffle. We've had a few years where people vote on the on the favourite designs, but but we must all remember the year where the sponsor was up for a raffle. Now, I don't care what you say, Ledger Mobility on any shirt is never going to look that great. It's a, it's a classic. <laughs> that is not a classic. <laughs> I, I I actually I I still have some of the shirts from that, that time. But it just it wasn't it wasn't the free press, was it? Yeah, I think the problem with that sponsor was like the kit had been designed and then the whatever was chosen as the sponsor was yeah. just bolted onto it. I think yeah. that was the issue with it. Yeah, precisely. And which is which is sort of my, my point about how important the sponsor is, is that it's quite hard to get that synergy sometimes, especially for example, Virgin Train that all of a sudden became something completely different overnight. Um, and I know that really it shouldn't play a part, but actually sponsors are a big part of a kit. And we've got to just, you know, it's, it's, it's just a consideration, I guess. But to that point, a couple of kits that year weren't, weren't my favourites. And I don't want to pin it all on the sponsor, but it was sort of to do with the sponsor. <laughs> James, is there any, any home, Rover's home shirt that stands out to you as being particularly awful or that you'd gladly see the back of? You mentioned the, uh, the sort of streetwise sports ones before. Yeah, I just thought they were like. I just think they're kind of like very of their time. Like they, they just feel. Um, yeah. They just felt. I mean, they just felt quite cheap. You know, it was weird. It was like when we got the deal with Nike. Um, mm. I remember. I remember kind of thinking, oh, you know, you know, we're, we're moving up in the world. Even though those shirts are just templates, you know, like, yeah. you know, they, 
you know, in a weird way, it's nothing to sort of be happy about. But I just remember thinking, oh, these are really great shirts. And, you know, the uh, the streetwise ones are just sort of just ugly. It's, it's weird. I've got really mi- I've got a really mixed, really mixed feelings about 97, 98. Because yeah. I remember, I'm quite ashamed to say this, by the way. Uh, this is this isn't this isn't a great confession, but I remember being on the pitch uh, at the at Colchester at home, and someone had thrown their someone had thrown their their home shirt on the floor on the pitch. As in, one of the players had thrown their shirt. No, no, no. Like like a fa- like a fan. As in, you know, like. It, you know, it was obviously done in a sort of fit of disgust or protest yeah. or whatever, and I picked it up and took it <laughs> and took it home. Like, bear in mind, I'm 18, right? <laughs> I I haven't got a Saturday job. I'm like, I love that. What <laughs> someone had written, weave it out on it in marker. <laughs> so I remember like going at like going at this with like a you know like a like a J cloth, like trying to get this off, you know. And I, I did quite well, but I never quite got it off. And I wore that shirt for probably two or three years. And people would come up to me and be like, what's it say, say on that? We, we, we were out? And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't it say anything because I obviously didn't want to go into the fact that I was like a you know cheap, weird shirt stealer. <laughs> but it wouldn't be a popular stand podcast without me banging on about 97, 98. I don't know, there's something about that shirt where I just think it's so crap, you know, like it's so little effort put into it, but I can, I can still sort of see Prince Moncrief, like, throwing a you know, throwing a, a hissy fit because someone hasn't passed it right to his feet and he's fallen over or whatever. Like, I can sort of see that and it, and it makes me feel maybe how someone might feel if they saw, like, a snow globe from a crap holiday uh, <laughs> from, from years past. They can't quite bring themselves to get rid of it, you know. Is it the one with the hand-drawn crest? That's not ringing. That's not ringing any bells. I think it had East Riding Sacks on the front, and obviously Weaver out. Yeah, on it in big letters. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the hand-drawn badge uh, crest thing was the. Um, I think it was that East Riding Sacks shirt. The Rovers had planned to because um, it's obviously Ken Richardson. They planned to put the council crest on the shirt. But the the council was still very pissed off at Rovers at the whole trying to sell the ground that didn't belong to them issue. So they were like, no, you can't put the crest on the shirt. So quickly they had to get the Viking put on put on it. So one of the directors at the time, I don't know who, did like a rough sketch of the Viking and sent it off to the manufacturer, said, this is what we need on there. And rather than check it for against the previous editions and actually they just used the sketch so the vikings got like a smiley face um on least favorite you mentioned the um the streetwise ones of looking in that sort of carlotti period of looking a bit on the show i think the other thing that added to that was the uh the rovers till i die added to the uh the rear of the shirt which i don't think helped it look like a like a really classy effort especially given that till was spelt with two l's is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I I'd probably rope in the uh the street the streetwise and the Carlotti shirt sort of together, like yeah. Almost what I feel about one is what I feel about the other. Yeah. For me, I think in terms of least favourite, I'd say anything by FBT, who it seems 
you know, in the last three seasons, just spent three years trolling me by seeing how many ways they could dick about with hoops to really, really get my ear eye right in the in the start of the summer. You know, we had um, you know, 2017, 18, I think was the worst, where it was missing a hoop at the top and ended up with like random shoulder straps. So it looked like the players were wearing dungarees or a sort of support bra or something. Uh, but the others ran it close. I mean, 2016, 17 looked like it had been designed on line paper and they'd just run with it and just left all the black lines on it um, all over the shop. And then there was the uh, the wavy hoops of last season where the, the curve on the top hoop doesn't even align with the curve of the other three hoops that are on it. And they're not even really hoops because they don't meet. It was just there's, Every time you look at those shirts, I see something else wrong with something else about them that really irritates me. Like the the crests have got all got a weird like glow around them, like like the Ready Brett logo. It's all a bit frightening every time you look at it. Yeah. Sorry, I've just been brought an omelet. <laughs> yeah. I did. I thought I could hear the scraping of cutlery, but I didn't want to draw attention to it. But then when she replied with a mouthful of omelet, I felt it couldn't really be avoided. No, you were talking away, and I was thinking, and I was like, oh, get in omelet. But then I was thinking, oh, please. Keep you talking, Glenn? I wonder if I can eat it in the time that you're talking. <laughs> the, the irony is, Mike, the only thing that would have lasted long enough was one of your like tangents. But you know, you're 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 eating, so you can't you can't make the tangent. Harsh, that in it. Harsh. Oh, I'm in Glenn. Be- I'm Glenn Wilson, and I'm going to bang on about wonky red and white lines again. That does sound <laughs> like a lot of you. I'm a, I'm a cliche, but I'm consistent. <laughs> Least favorite away shirts. Come on, Jack. <laughs> no, um, this is very personal. This one actually, um, because I, I think so. Basically, I I, I put in the uh, white white and uh, green sleeved uh, Van Daniel one call insurance shirt. Um, the the reason it's personal that one is that I got given it in, as as a long sleeve shirt, and I'm not a big fan of long sleeve shirts. Why it had to be that one that was long sleeve and all the others? Are, I never felt like I wanted that shirt really, and uh, and it pains me to say it, but it's true. Yeah, it was when that came came out. It was that's the same season we brought back the hoops, and they were like fan designs at the time. And it was really heralded of like we've gone back to green with the away kit, and then it was white with green yeah. sleeves. And then yeah. they realised we were away at Farnborough first game of the season, who were then wearing red and white stripes, and both the home kit and the away kit that we just launched clashed with Farnborough. So then we had to launch another kit. For that first game, which was the plain blue uh, Van der Nel away shirt, so yeah, we triumphantly launched two kits and I couldn't wear either of them the first game of the season. Speaking of fan designs, and obviously just just with the fact that, that we've done this competition a few times now, I've just done on a Google search got the fifteen sixteen away kit where they did where they gave us five options, and the one we went with in the end was the was the blue with the sort of like the white sash down the side, but. Um, but there was a there was two green kits on that that looking back at them look absolutely stunning, with with sort of a thin stripe and then a red down the down the sides. Now I, I believe we're going to come on to this question about sort of like what actually makes the best Rovers kit. But just in that, the tread and and the sort of the red bit down the side with the green is fantastic. And I don't know how that never got picked. Mm. Have you been reading my notes? I've not actually. No, I mean, we can confirm that we're not even in the same room this time. Uh, James, are you eating, or do you want me to go with the? Uh... Um, well, well... <laughs> um, I'm... <laughs> I'm... 
All right, I'll I'll go in my least favourite away shirts, and you can. Uh, no, I'm done now. I'm done now. I'm done. As well as the omelette, there was some sort of like potato croquette kind of vibe going on as well. But when I bit into it, it was really hot. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure. I've got a least favourite away kit. I really like the. Uh, I was hugely into the the blue and the sash that you hated from a few years ago. Just on the record, I didn't hate that kit. I I like the design. My my problem with it was that it would have worked better as green than blue. I mean, that was the that was the first shirt in um, years where I was like, I need to ask my mum if she can hobble down to the ground and buy me one of these. <laughs> Um, I, I thought that was amazing, but I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I've racked my brain and I can't think of a, I can't think of an away shirt where I've gone, no, nah, not into that. I, I sort of wonder whether a bit of it is because, you know, having not lived in Doncaster for a long time now, you know, the majority, the, I get, I see Rovers away far more than I see them at home, and I just wonder whether I'm sort of so excited and so giddy when I get a chance to see them that what they what they're, they could be wearing bin bags and I wouldn't really care, you know. Yeah, I wish I could feel that detached from the kit, but I I get too angry about what we're wearing. Because like Jack says, a lot of the lot of the recent kits have been have been voted for by you know by fans. But I think if we've learned anything in in national uh, votes that have taken place in recent years, we just can't trust the public. So the last three away kits have been awful. The the twenty sixteen seventeen all FBT again. Maybe I've got a, a long standing grudge against football Thailand. Maybe it's the fact that they've given initial to both foot and ball in their name. I don't know. But the, the 2016-17 was the black one with with other weird shades of black. It was like a, if you can have shades of black, it was like a mismatch of all offcuts of all early 2010 Liverpool away jerseys in one. The following season, there was the the black and fluorescent green, which, which took all that was wrong with the home shirt, the weird bra strap effect and all that lot. And then somehow made it worse by adding lots of unnecessary fluorescent hoops you know across the blacks look like rumble strips stretched out on an a road as you go towards a roundabout was the vibe i remember being really relieved when um when we didn't beat arsenal in the league cup because we were wearing that kit and i was really glad that it meant that kit didn't become synonymous with some sort of great game and get cult status as a result so but has green got anything to do with that so so no. the fact that we wore green against brentford and I know that the green goes back, but did it enamel? Did, did it did it make it more of a thing? To me, that's why I think green. But I know that you probably dated back before that. But did it enamel? Yeah. For me, like eighties into early nineties, I just feel like Rovers kits were. I think I just have always seen green as the the third colour of our of our kits, and I think it's because the. Late seventies, early eighties, early nineties, very early nineties. The away kit colour for Rovers was green through all that time. So I think it's for me, it's just that period. It just I think it makes sense as an away kit colour because few teams wear it as a home shirt colour. So you you know you you lessen that that need to have a third shirt. Um, but I think it, I, for me, it's a Rovers away colour, distinguishable as. Um, you mentioned a second ago, Jack. Like yeah. We talk about the ideal Rovers away shirt, and the one you brought up from the 2015-16 vote, which was green. For me, the the ideal Rovers away shirt would be green. It'd be like a sort of matte green with a red and white, either I don't know, either sash or even um, red and white, like a V 
on it or even like a Sampdoria-esque red and white across the uh, across the chest, I think would be really nice on a green kit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree that the, 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 so the one that I'm looking at right now incorporates a lot of those things. Um, I'm not a sash man per se. Um, however, this one does it now. I think it's actually, I think it's important to subtly do it sometimes where you get like really important elements of it, such as the red, and subtly get it in there. The one yeah, fifteen sixteen vote totally has it down the side. That looks quite cool. It's quite it's quite distinguished, I think. Yeah, James, do you have a an ideal sort of Rovers away kit or ideal Rovers kit color? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. As I was saying before, I don't really. Uh, I don't really see the green thing. But then you know, like you're right. Like history says so, but. I, I just don't associate with Rovers being, you know, being 39 and not 59 or whatever. So, um, I, I, for me, I just see the away kit as being blue, really. <laughs> just blue. You're just happy with blue. I, I, I don't know, really. I, I think that, you know, I think I might have said on the podcast before, like, when I was younger, there was a lot about all these clubs I was, like, envious of. Like, you know, I loved Rovers. I fell for Rovers like really hard and heavy like sort of from the off but i used to look at other clubs and be like that's that's a better kit than we've got that's a better badge than we've got like that's a i mean always that's a better ground than we've got but <laughs> like i don't really think that about anything to do with rovers sort of anymore and i and i just feel like i don't know i i, I like I, I like our kit i like our color scheme you know what i mean like mm. i think like red and white hoops is the most you know, every time I every, every time I do a fantasy football team and take it really seriously for three weeks before I then give up for the rest of the season, you know, we're we're always red and white hoops. Like, um, you know, my my FIFA Ultimate Team playing red and white hoops. I, you know, I just think it's it, it's classic. I think we've got a, a a really good aesthetic. It's just normally the uh, it's the uh, the science of putting the disparate parts together that I just think sometimes we get wrong. But I don't really feel like we've done that in a long time, you know. Like it's back in the it's back in the days where the kits just felt really knockoff. That I think they were a bit of a mess. Yeah, definitely with you on um, yeah the distinction of, of red and white hoops being our identity, and that's what we're going. And for me, I think that's why I dislike those recent kits because I've I felt probably the same as you did about the sort of early two thousands kits in that we got a very simple concept wrong. When the, when you didn't necessarily need to, yeah, I think there's sometimes though it's that weird thing in it where it's like football. Uh, I'm not as sure that this is probably. Uh, I mean, I, bear in mind I can't even remember what football is. It's been so long since football's been a going concern in Britain. But I feel like there was a period of time where clubs' kits were almost like influenced by what other clubs were doing. You know, there's that period in the mid '90s where you know, you talk about like your the famous like Villas minging kit and you know Hull City or whatever, and you know those kits were almost like that was an era where kits just went crazy. You know, I feel like these days, like maybe it's because those big those big shirt manufacturers basically worked the templates. I don't really think feel like clubs really have like minging kits. I can't really I, I can't really think of a club in recent times that. I've looked at their kit and gone, oh, no. Can you? Well, yeah, us. 
for the last few seasons. <laughs> to be no, honest, but like, away from that. Our, our, our thing is just that, I don't know, our thing is just that it's like we're, we're, we're almost like looking to like evolve the hoops. It doesn't bother me so much. It really bothers you. You just don't really need to mess with the red and white hoops. They, you know, they, no, they're I... great. But like that's not that's almost like not how capitalism works, isn't it? You've got to find a way to make someone people buy a new shirt, and I think that's where oh, the that's, thing comes in. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's we, you know, we've, we're in this cycle now where the shirt has to change every year, and because the shirt has to change every year, you have to piss about with the design to make it look like you've changed it. Yeah, totally. God, I mean, I I, I felt a little bit when I said that. I felt a little bit like my dad. That's the sort of thing that my dad's been saying for like twenty years. But, like you know that, that whole thing of like you know, money's ruined football. You know, money's ruined football. He's been saying that my entire life. I've been saying that your entire life, and I'm two years younger than you, so I don't think it's just your dad. Yeah, no, but you, I mean, my dad and you have got quite a lot of quite a lot in common. <laughs> he's a nice man. <laughs> he's a he's a very grumpy man though. Oh, cheers! <laughs> Glad we hooked this chat up. <laughs> Should we do a sort of any other business when it comes to kits? Is there anything anyone wanted to get off their chest on kits that we've not covered? I was thinking about kits in general, and I was thinking, you know, of just kits that I really like. And I do think that there was a season, wasn't there, where Man United or it was Arsenal or it was someone, and they basically like had a kit that basically apes like the sixties, the fifties, sixties without a shirt sponsor. I think it might be Man U, actually. And they, you know, they played a game, and they were just basically playing in like you know red and white, like red, oh, like red. The, it was the fiftieth anniversary of the Munich air disaster, wasn't it? It was Man United. That's right, and I think that like those, you know, you just look at those shirts and you think, oh, you know, they look amazing. And I think that there's those examples like throughout football, like like Brazil's yellow shirt is just an it's just an amazing shirt, you know. But I think that I I normally like the car crash shirts. I think I think it probably says a lot about you know I like I am a bit of an esoteric dude I am aware of that and I do like the shirts that are just a bit out there. I was remembering a there's a Scarborough shirt from they only wore it for like a blink of an eye like in the early nineties that was like advertising like vodka and it was like Black Death vodka. <laughs> Black Death and I, vodka. And I, I just think that's the most amazing. I just think that's the most amazing shirt. Like, but then you know, I'm into, I'm into that. You know, I'm into weird. You know, I'm into weird. I'm into heavy metal. I'm into like, you know, all that. So I think that stuff's amazing. But I guess you know, if there's anything about like modern football shirt culture that winds me up is, it's probably goalie shirts really, because I just think goalie shirts have just been that they're, they're the shirts that have been like ruined by templates. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, they're, they're all the same shirts, but they're basically like they're green or they're orange or they're yellow or whatever. I've never been anyone who's been like, oh, I want the goalie shirt. But I can think of a lot of like goalie shirts where I think I thought they were they were amazing strips. And I never really think that about goalies anymore. Are you are you more in favour of the sort of Jorge Campos mid 90s goalkeeper? I think I, uh, I think that I'm deeply, deeply in love with. Uh, Peter Shilton's Italian ninety shirt. Um, it's very hard to love anything about Peter Shilton in recent years, but I suppose you can sort of envisage Chris Woods in it if you want to instead. But I just think that's an amazing shirt. 
Jack, any any more kit points for you that we've not covered over? The only the only thing I would say actually, and you've probably just touched on it, and I don't want to end on a bum note in any way, but it's it's sort of like I was just thinking in that moment um, what the perfect kit would be, and then I thought, well, what's the point? Because you'll just change it the next season. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, for sure you could sort of like come come to a, a tip where where, where, you, where you would incorporate a lot of the designs from years past, and you can do that subtly, you can do it quite eloquently, and and it's all great, and we could celebrate it, but only until the next season, you know, when we'd have to think of something uh, different and a bit more bizarre. So no, it's a, obviously it's a it's a difficult one because it's such a fluid sort of uh, a topic. It's forever changing. I like James' point about the fact that we can go a bit, bit wild at some point, and you certainly have um, a sort of like you've you've got a canvas there when it comes to away kits, uh, which which is great. But but yeah, just just by and large, um, I'm going to end on a bummer and just say, what's the point in anything anymore? You know, it'll just change next season. Well, there we go. Then. That's that's our football kit special done and dusted. We thought we'd bring some positivity into your lives <laughs> in these trying times. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> I'd also like to say that there's never been a good grey kit. I think, well, there we go. We can end on a non-controversial point because I think you're absolutely bang on there. There will, there will never be a good uh, football kit. If I could if I could implore our readers to do one thing as well, it's after they've listened to this. Go to Google... Google the 1978 Colorado Caribou Caribou shirt, uh, which has which has tassels on it. On it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just just know that things things can always be worse. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, as ever, once you've once you've Googled the uh, the Caribou's kit. Uh, while you're online, do let us know your thoughts on Twitter at Viva Rovers, whether you agree with our choices, disagree with them, what your own favourites are. Um, it'd be nice to nice to hear what you guys say. Um, so it's hard to predict anything at the at the moment. We we do hope to be back next month with episode 17. So please do subscribe to Podular Stand on your preferred podcast provider. We're on most of them now, uh, and by doing so, you'll get each episode the moment they're released on the last Friday of each month. And if you've got a, a few minutes, please do review that we listened as well. Just a, a tick on a few stars would be very, very, very grateful to see. Um, thanks then to Jack and James for joining me. I'm eating another omelette. I'm not really. No, it's been, it's been fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. There we go. There's a commitment that we needed uh, from all of us to do it again for all of you. So thank you to, to Jack and James for helping us out. Thanks to you at home. Or, well, no, you are at home. You're not going to be anywhere else right now. You are at home. You're staying at home. Stay at home, people. Stay at home. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next month, we'll see thee.